We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Daily Fantasy Podcast, sponsored by No Halftime, the newest way to create fantasy challenges for one-on-one matchups. You can download it today at nohalftime.com. All right, it is Friday, November 13th. Nick Whalen here, as I always am on Fridays, with Rotowire's own Chris Benzine. I guess I shouldn't say how as I always am, because we didn't do this podcast last week. You were in California, correct? No. No? I, I was misled. Where, where were you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just uh, I was on vacation, and I had some friends... Uh, friends that I haven't seen in a while that were also on vacation at the same time. So we got to actually like hang out a little more, which isn't normally the case. So I was kind of just hanging out with some friends in Wisconsin. Yeah. In Wisconsin. I I don't know who told, I thought maybe KOB or DVR said you were in like Palm Springs. Jeez. I don't know why they were just uh, messing with you, I guess. Apparently. I don't, I don't know. They didn't seem like they were messing with me, but all right. So it would have been nice to either. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, you don't, you don't look too tan. I was a little, little skeptical, but yeah, so that's fun. But um, yeah, week 10 in the NFL, Finally, we don't have six teams on by like last week. So, you know, maybe not as many crises in your lineups this week. Hopefully uh, just four teams on by uh, as we go into week 10. We'll start right away with the quarterbacks. Get right down to brass tacks. I know uh, you have some guys you want to talk about. Chris, top price guy this week, Tom Brady. He's at 8,600. That's 1,100 more than Aaron Rodgers. Drew Brees is at 7,400. Cam Newton at 7,000. And then Carson Palmer at 6,900 going up against Seattle. Those guys round out our top five. We'll start with Aaron Rodgers. He's going up against Detroit. As we said, he's at 7,500. Could have a full stable of receivers outside of Jordy Nelson. You know, Ty Montgomery's still questionable. But what do you think about Rodgers against what's been a pretty weak Detroit team? 
Yeah, I like Rodgers this week. I mean, he, he's been a little down the last couple of weeks and it probably impacted his price going into this week a little bit, and they're back at home. Uh, Rodgers is always good at home. He's a lot better at home than on the road. I mean, he's, he's good in both scenarios, but uh, he's, he's generally really good at home. And he, like, as, like you said, Montgom- Ty Montgomery, he, he was limited in practice both Wednesday and Thursday, so there's a chance he could play Sunday. And if he does, he'll have, they'll have their full, uh, their full stable of receivers there, uh, other than Jordy Nelson, obviously. And uh, like, a, like I said about Rodgers, he's, he's got an 11-2 touchdown to interception ratio at home so far this year, which is generally the case. I mean, he, he rarely throws interceptions at home, so that's a big benefit, especially if you're paying top dollar for a quarterback. You don't want to lose those points for throwing interceptions. And uh, the, the Lions defense they're going up against has been atrocious. I mean, they gave up 45 points to a Kansas City offense a couple weeks ago that has been generally struggling somewhat because they don't have Jamal Charles anymore, but they were able to put up 45 points against uh, Detroit over in London. So that may may have had an impact a little bit being in London for both teams, a little lag or jet lag and whatnot. But again, just the Lions defense in general hasn't been great this season, and I could see Rodgers having another big day. And and Jim Caldwell, he still has his job with them, but that team's a little bit in shambles right now, and I just don't know how much longer he might... I mean, eventually. he might be next. I mean, they've they've kind of been progressively cleaning house over the last couple of weeks, and you got to think he might eventually be on the hook as well. And obviously, a very disappointing season for this Lions team that certainly is is no short on weapons, at least on the offensive side. And yeah, like you said, I mean, forty five points to Kansas City a couple of weeks ago. This is not a great defense, and. You know, I think this might be a re- not a revenge game, I guess, for the Packers. You know, they're certainly not trying to avenge anything against the Lions personally, but two straight losses on the road to good teams. Obviously, there's a lot of frustration that kind of boiled over in the second half against Carolina, and you know they're they're facing a much weaker opponent than Denver or Carolina this week. And I think this is maybe the week that Rodgers kind of vents those frustrations. Yeah, the, I mean the Denver and uh, Denver and Carolina have very like top five defenses probably in the league so going when you make contrast that with what Detroit's done the last over the course of the season it's it's a it's a pretty big contrast there and I could definitely see it being a big day for Rodgers yeah absolutely so looking now more into the middle tier of quarterbacks if you get below those top five you got a guy like Ben Roethlisberger who's at 6,800 he's considered questionable suffered what looked to be kind of a scary foot injury last week it looked you know maybe at first that he had broken the foot Um, MRI comes back turns out that's not the case Plans to practice this week, did a little bit of work uh, on Thursday. He was limited, limited again on Friday, fully listed as questionable now against the Browns. Sounds like this might come down to a game time call. Are you comfortable going with him even with this foot issue? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to wait and see. Thankfully, that game's a noon call, so you'll know before any of the other games are out. You'll know before lineups lock whether or not Roethlisberger is going to indeed play in that game. And uh, if he's healthy, I mean, it's a great matchup with Pitts, with Cleveland, but it, I mean... With other guys around that same price range, you got like Eli Manning at 6,700, Andy Dalton 6,500, Peyton Manning at 6,200. I mean, I might, I might look in a different direction at quarterback if I'm in that price range. I might, if uh, for my money, if I'm going in that around that range, I might go with Andy Dalton. He's still sitting at 6,500 despite how well he's done this year. It's it's a bit surprising how, I mean, how he's been so good and yet they haven't really adjusted his price accordingly he's been he's been scaling upwards over the course of the season but he's never gotten to like a top level versus the production I mean last week he did only throw for 234 yards but another three touchdowns against Cleveland and he's got another decent matchup with Houston this week they're at home 
And the the Houston defense is another defense that's been struggling this year. I mean, they're supposed to be good, but outside of J.J. Watt, their defense really – I mean, obviously J.J. Watt has been a, the focal point of their defense, but teams can take – if they take him away by doing – like double teaming him and doing whatnot, it's just – in general, they haven't been a great defense. They did have a good week against Tennessee last week, but Tennessee's offense isn't that great. And before that, I mean, they gave up a lot of points to Miami, 38 20 to Jacksonville and 27 to Indianapolis. I mean, in general, this offense hasn't been, or their defense hasn't been great. So I, that's another one at home. Again, Andy Dalton's a lot better. Nine to one touchdown interception ratio there. He's got some good weapons around him with AJ Green, Tyler Eifert, and uh, he seems to finally be living up to that potential. Like he, he's shown flashes over the course of his career of being a great, a good quarterback, one of the elite quarterbacks. And it seems like he's finally sustaining that over the course of a season so far. And I would definitely have faith in him going against Houston again this week yeah absolutely I mean and and you mentioned you know this Houston defense has kind of been on and off there's some personnel there that they like a lot but they give up 48 points to the Falcons uh, back at the beginning of October and you know that's an offense that looked really good at the time and has kind of cooled off and, and Cincinnati's a team that hasn't cooled off at all I mean even even just just a couple minutes ago on the way home for from lunch James Anderson and I were arguing about whether this Cincinnati team could legitimately win 13 or 14 games and you know, you, you look at their schedule remaining and you, and you look at the personnel on this team and how well Andy Dalton's playing, how well both of those running backs are fitting together. And, you know, what game do you really pick them to lose? You know, they're at Arizona in two weeks. That's obviously going to be a tough game. That's a night game. So that'll be, that'll be a good one to watch. Home to the Rams, you know, another tough game, but still very much winnable, especially at home. And, you know, the Browns, we know what they're about. The Steelers have been banged up all season. They're at Denver in week 16. And that's maybe the one that you point to. But, I think it's time to start taking the Cincinnati team seriously, and I hope people are now. You know, by, by week seven and eight, there was still some indecision, but you know, now after these, these wins that they continue to reel off, I think they're a legitimate contender. Yeah, just out of curiosity, which side of that argument were you on? I was on, I, I was pro-Cincinnati. So I said that I think they can go 14-2. and two. James wanted to bet me $20, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it that far. Yeah. So I'm pro-Cincinnati, but I'm not to the point where I'm willing to wager actual money on it. Um, but looking back to the quarterbacks, if you scroll a little bit further down on DraftKings, start getting into the maybe the lower mid-range, you see a guy like Blake Bortles. 5,600 this week going up against the second-worst passing defense in the league in Baltimore. A guy who has 17 touchdowns on the year, does have, does have 10 picks. So that's something you have to keep in mind. Kind of a high-risk, high-reward in that respect. But he's been an underrated rusher. You know, not a guy who's going to get you 60, 70 yards, but you know, maybe 30 or 40 on a, on a good day. He's a little more mobile than people maybe give him credit for. Uh, but I like this matchup with Baltimore. I think... As bad as the Jaguars are record-wise, they've been able to move the ball a lot better. He has two legitimate receivers now and Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. Marquise Lee is allegedly playing. Um, we'll see about that. I, he's, he's kind of the Darren McFadden of receivers in a lot of ways. Um, but I think, I think Jacksonville's going to be able to move the ball against this Baltimore defense, and, and I think Bortles could be a strong play in both daily and season long. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I've, at that price range around there, he's one of the guys that I picked out there. I mean, he's been more effective on the road than at home this year, surprisingly. Most most quarterbacks, it's the opposite. But, I mean, Jacksonville doesn't generally have the biggest home crowd. That I think that's, that's a nice way of advantage. putting it. They yeah. generally don't have the best home crowd advantage. <laughs> so, uh, that I mean, he's he's actually had a 9-4 to four touchdown interception ratio on the road this season. And like you said, they're facing another bad defense in the Ravens there. And they could be without Alan Hearns, from what I'm hearing. He's questionable going into the contest. He's, he's been limited in practice basically for the last four weeks and has played, so I'm not too worried about him. But obviously, if, if that 
were to develop any further and he's held out yeah, maybe he, that diminishes. I think he actually missed practice on Wednesday this week if I'm not Yeah yeah he well that's been kind of a routine okay. thing for him he's been I think they've been listening with like the same injury for the last you know 3 4 5 weeks even and certainly something to keep an eye on yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying to disregard that at all but I I'm just not maybe quite as worried as as the injury report would indicate but I mean I heard his touchdowns helping. in six straight yeah. games yeah, I mean, he's been, I mean, him and the combination of him and uh, Allen Robinson have been lethal for them. And they also have a healthy Julius Thomas now. Yep. I mean, that's a guy that they spent big money on in the offseason to, to come in and be their, their go-to tight end. And uh, he should, I mean, last game against the Jets, he had five catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. And you could see more of that coming in the future with, with it just he's just another weapon for Bortles and with all those guys that he's got there I mean I definitely could see him he's had 300 plus passing yards in three of his last four games and I could definitely see that being the case again Sunday against the Ravens so if you're looking for a quarterback around the bottom the bottom range there I think he could be a good option yeah yeah I was thrilled to pick him up in the Rotowire league this week Matt Ryan on by and you know I mean it might be worth sticking with Bortles long term and the way that the way that that Atlanta offense has kind of sputtered Looking at the rest of these quarterbacks, anybody maybe below Blake Bortles at that fifty six hundred line? Anybody, if, you know, if you're kind of gonna punt the, you know, punt the quarterback position, maybe spend up elsewhere that you could maybe see some value coming through. Uh yeah. If I'm looking down around like below Blake Bortles, there, I mean, you got Tannehill there at fifty three hundred. He's been pretty good recently. I don't know. Like again, Landry Jones could play. I. Kirk Cousins could be a decent option. At, I mean, he, the one thing about Kirk Cousins is he hasn't thrown for a lot this year. I mean, he, he did throw for 317 against Tampa Bay, and New Orleans has a very bad defense, and they, they might have to play catch-up, continue playing catch-up with playing New Orleans and the Breeze, who seems to be getting it together offensively. So if that's the case, I mean, I could see Kirk Cousins having to pass the ball a lot in that game, and there's a chance he could put up some decent numbers in that game. So if there's somebody around that range, maybe Kirk Cousins would be a guy to go with. But, uh I mean, Blake Bortles is only about 500 more than him, so I think I'd be more willing to go pay a little more for Bortles if I can afford to do so. Right, absolutely. All right, looking now toward the running back position at the top of the board this week, Todd Gurley, no surprise there, 7,300 going up against Chicago. Adrian Peterson just below him at 7,100. Matt Forte, 6,800. Marshawn Lynch, 6,700. And then D'Angelo Williams, 6,500. I mean, we, we talked about this in the past, and, and, and I'm sure his name has been brought up on, on most football podcasts and in the media, but you know, seeing Le'Veon Bell, arguably the best back in the league, go down is a huge blow for Pittsburgh. But as far as backup running backs go, you really can't do a whole lot better than D'Angelo Williams. So, you know, losing Bell is a huge, huge blow to that offense. But they didn't, they really won't miss maybe as much of a beat as they would in a lot of other situations when you have a guy as good as D'Angelo Williams as your backup. So, certainly not a guy that I'm going to avoid uh, by any means, and especially at that 6,500 price going against the 30th best rush defense in the league in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, the, like you mentioned there, the Browns have been pretty bad against the run this year and D'Angelo Williams in general I mean he's a guy that has been a starter he's he's split time throughout his career in uh, Carolina so I mean he he definitely plays he's played a ton he has but he has limited wear and tear because of the fact that he hasn't uh, he hasn't been like a workhorse back throughout his career so he's still got some miles left I think and and he's shown I mean obviously Le'Veon Bell was great out of the backfield but part of the reason was what was around him there I think and and just uh the transition to uh D'Angelo Williams really hasn't been much of a difference overall so far it's obviously only been a limited time slate here but I mean D'Angelo Williams was good early in the season when he got the opportunity then and he's continued to be the uh it's continued to be the case now he's got 
the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. They had two catches for 55 yards last week. And if Big Ben doesn't end up playing that game, I could see Landry Jones. They might go a little more run-heavy attack. And also Landry Jones I could see dumping down a little more than than Big Ben would do maybe, let take a little less chances downfield. So, I mean, he was a workhorse last week, 27 carries, and I could see that being the case again this week, if uh, especially if uh, ben, Big Ben ends up missing the contest. Yeah, absolutely. I think they would maybe go to a more conservative game plan against Cleveland. Certainly no need to, to take as many chances against uh, what's probably an inferior opponent. Looking down a little bit lower, uh, you see names like Eddie Lacy at 5,500. Obviously a guy you're going to want to stay away from, right? I mean, he's... I don't even. I mean, I don't. There's really not much to say yeah, at this point. They named James Starks. They the named starter, James Starks so. a starter, exactly. So I don't know if, you know, I didn't, obviously that this might be a way to. I don't know. If bait is the right word, but you know, if, if you're if an inexperienced player, you know, it, uh, that hasn't checked the news or whatever it might be, you know, you see Eddie Lacy still priced ahead of James Starks. Obviously, you want to stay away from Lacy basically at all costs at this point. Do you do you really have a read on what happened with that situation? I, I think you followed the Green Bay Packers probably as closely as anybody in the office. Um, you know, there are rumors that Eddie Lacy was overweight. To me, I think that's a little overblown. You know, the team has not really corroborated that at all. And you know, usually if that is the case, the, the team will comment. And you know, Lacy's obviously a bigger guy, and he's always been a bigger guy. And he really doesn't look any bigger than he ever was before. It, it just seems like he's a step slow, and, and it's kind of been that way ever since that ankle injury. Yeah, I mean, I, it it seems like that ankle injury may have been bothering him for a while there, and definitely hasn't performed up to expectations this season. I mean, he went really high. He was going some in number one overall in some drafts coming into the year. He was one of those top backs that everybody wanted, and he really hasn't done that much. I mean, the ankle injury definitely did a lot to it, a lot had a lot to do with it, but um, he's just, I, I don't see him, he hasn't really shown the burst that he's had in the last, he had the last year. James Starks when he's out there and at and he was he was part of that offense when uh they won the Super Bowl back to 2010 and so I mean people may forget that but he was actually a pretty a big reason that they ended up winning that Super Bowl and he was a good running back in in his own right um but yeah I just I don't see Lacey he seems like he's kind of fallen out of the loop a little bit and seems like he's fallen out of favor maybe with the coaching staff and and when, even when he has gotten chances he just hasn't really done enough to keep him to make him like to make them keep him on the field he hasn't done enough to proved enough to to keep him off the field in favor of James Starks or instead of James Starks right and and Lacey himself even said you know frankly James Starks is the guy who's been better for this offense and you know there's there's been talk this the receiving core is having trouble getting open there's not a lot of speed uh you know outside of Randall Cobb you got guys like Jeff Janis James Jones Devonta Adams not exactly burners in their own right and you know that's kind of what James Starks brings that Eddie Lacy doesn't is that ability to get to the outside, get off tackle, and get up field. So you know, maybe the speed's not there at the receiver position, and they're trying to offset that a little bit in the backfield. So yeah, I mean, we we just talked about a guy in D'Angelo Williams who's a really nice backup behind a good back and Le'Veon Bell, and James Starks probably belongs in that conversation too. I mean, the Packers could certainly do much worse uh, than James Starks this week. So I do like him quite a bit at forty nine hundred. Probably going to have uh, a high ownership, however. LeGarrette Blunt, what about him? He's also at 4,900. Deion Lewis, done for the season. Tough break for them with that ACL injury. Blunt was a guy who had 29 carries. I think he, I think he finished with 129 yards as well uh, in that game last week. Are you expecting similar production, or do you think they maybe mix it up a little bit and, and give James White quite a bit of work? Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest beneficiary is going to be either, well, the combination James White, Brandon Bolden, but I think James White is what they're going – it seems to be the guy that's going to be targeted as the like the biggest beneficiary of that move. However, I could see LeGarrette Blunt being leaned on more out of the backfield, obviously, 
now that uh, that Deion Lewis is gone for the season. He did have a fair amount of carries in general, and he's been very good, surprisingly. I mean, he hasn't he doesn't catch the ball a ton out of the backfield, so he's not a guy that's going to give you a ton of catches, but he does have a generally a big workload. And last week alone, he had 29 carries. Obviously, they were ahead of Washington trying to put the ball or the game away in the second half, but that's generally the case of the opponents they're going against. They seem to get out ahead early and uh, are just kind of running the clock in the second half and trying to get out of there with a victory. So, I mean... I could see that being the case again this week against the Giants, and if that is the case, Blunt will be the guy back there getting the heavy workload. He had, like I said, 29 carries last week, 129 yards and a touchdown, and I could see him have another big workload again this week. Any other guys you like in that middle tier then before we move to kind of bottom of the barrel running backs? Um, Probably Latavius Murray if he's healthy. That's a question mark there because he's had a concussion last week. Um, But if he doesn't go, I do like the – uh, if you're looking for a sneaky guy, either Marcel Reese, Taiwan Jones, probably Marcel Reese because he has an upside of probably being the goal line guy. So if we're looking at the bottom guys, which is what we we're going to move on to, uh, if we're going to look at those bottom guys, if Latavius Murray isn't healthy, he might be a, one of those guys, might be a sneaky play there between uh, Marcel Reese or Taiwan Jones. I, I think I'd give the edge to Reese just because of that uh, goal line, potential for goal line carries and touchdowns there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was kind of a scary concussion that uh, that Latavius Murray suffered last week. Fumbled the ball on the play, was down for a while, and you know, especially in in 2015, teams certainly aren't uh, clamoring to rush running backs back from concussions. But yeah, we'll move to the bottom of the barrel, guys. Now, guys, maybe below 4,500 value. Alfred Blue sits at 4,000. C.J. Anderson, a guy who's in a timeshare at 3,800. Antonio Andrews is somebody that I like, not because I necessarily like Antonio Andrews or like the Tennessee offense, but he's the starter there and I think that gives him kind of a, a leg up on a lot of the guys that are at this price yeah I mean he he's a guy that gets volume and that's what you want if you're if you're going for running back and then it's it's rare to get that at a low price so if you're getting it at 3700 obviously he's facing Carolina which is generally a pretty good defense but they've actually given up a fair amount of rushing yards like points to running back they're ranking 25th in the league uh, in terms of points against running backs so he, they are giving up a fair number of points against them and uh, so it's it's a guy that if you're looking to fill out a roster at the at the bottom there, he's 3,700. That's a pretty good price, and I I might be willing to go with him there. And then another guy like like you were saying before, James White potentially, he's a guy that is expected to get the workload, and he's at 3,000. That's a very small like a very low price. And if you're looking for a guy that's like a shot in the dark kind of guy that could give you a fair number of points to pair with some bigger name guys in other positions. I think he could be a decent price or a decent player at thirty at three thousand. And thinking to yourself, I'd love to challenge just one of his players, not his entire team. But your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to do that. Now you can on the all new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can put ODB versus Megatron, LeBron versus Mello, or Trope versus A Rod. Creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting a challenge is even easier. No halftime challenges can be private, they can be public, they can be created for the NFL, the NBA, MLB, NHL, college football, college basketball, and other sports. Join today and get started. Real money and real fantasy supremacy awaits you. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. And you can receive a bonus by entering in the promo code ROTOWIRE, that's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, at sign up. No halftime, where the fantasy sports season never takes a break position chris we've already touched on quarterbacks and running backs our top values 
for the week. Looking at the receiver spot, top price guy this week, Antonio Brown. No surprise uh, after after the numbers that he put up last week. Uh, you know, 8800 you're certainly going to pay up for him. If Big Ben doesn't play, I don't know if I like that value quite as much. You know, Antonio Brown seemed to be the guy in that receiving core who suffered the most when Big Ben was out. You know, we saw some big games uh, still from the rest of that receiving core, uh, you know, especially. Yeah. Um, but you look at, you know, you look at look it up and down the prices. Odell Beckham also at 8800 DeAndre Hopkins back off the bye week. He's at 8700 Julian Edelman at 8200 and Des Bryant at 7800 rounding out the top five. Are you ready to trust Des Bryant now after he looked pretty good on that foot last week? I mean, he does have a good matchup there, uh, and he's a decent price at 7800 He's not like at nearly as high. He's a 1000 less than Antonio Bryant, or not Antonio, Antonio Brown going this week, so... Uh, he seems to be back and healthy, but I just don't know if I, w- with Matt Castle, at quarterback still, I mean, Tony Romo's not too far out. I think he's next week. He's expected to return, but, uh, I think I'd still maybe steer clear of him for a little bit this week. He's a guy that is again, the guy that could explode. He could, or he could uh, put up a dud. So he's a chancy guy. And that's generally not what you want at, uh, at that high of price level. If you're getting a guy at that price, you want a guy that you're almost certain will put up a big big total in the week so i might stick away from him this week and instead a guy that i kind of like is maybe julian edelman i mean just you got that patriots offense and tom brady a quarterback and he's he did uh he is questionable for the contest but he was he was a limited participant limited participant in practice wednesday but uh it seems like it may have been more of a maintenance day than anything and it doesn't seem like there's anything that would uh endanger him for sunday's contest he's i mean he scored two touchdowns two weeks ago against Miami another touchdown last week against Washington the question is I mean just how long they'll be this game will be a a competition that's the that'll just determine how much they're actually passing but I think the Giants it's in in New York so there's a chance they can keep it close for a little while at least and if that's the case Julian Edelman could get a fair number of targets and again he's obviously one of the two biggest targets him and Gronkowski the two biggest targets in that offense so if those two are, uh, or if, if the Giants can keep it somewhat close, I think that Julian Edelman at set at uh, eighty two hundred could be a pretty good uh, receiver at that price range. I like some of these guys who are you know, maybe a hundred or excuse me a thousand or just over a thousand cheaper than the top tier guys. Calvin Johnson at seventy five hundred, guy who's been hampered throughout the week in practice, didn't practice on Friday but was limited in the previous two days. Sounds like. His absence Friday was more of a precautionary nature than anything else. Larry Fitzgerald at 7,400 I like a lot, but at the same time, he's going up against that Seattle defense. They're the best in the league against the pass, probably going to be shadowed by Richard Sherman quite a bit, so that's certainly a concern. What about A.J. Green up against Houston? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you're going to... I did like Andy Dalton, and if you're going to pair a guy with him, he's one of the two guys you probably would pair. It's either him or Eifert if you're going to go with somebody, and I think he's still one of the bigger... bigger, the better receiving options in the league and he's in an offense that has been pretty explosive so far I could see him having a pretty decent day there he's at about 7600 so he's 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 if we're looking talking middle tier guys there he's probably in the top end of that so he's a guy that you're gonna pay a little more for but I do like him at at that price still he's I think he's a pretty decent option like we were talking about the Texans defense has been pretty bad giving up some pretty big point some pretty gaudy point totals this year so I could see that being uh, another another big outburst for Cincinnati, and A.J. Green will certainly have his share of that. 
So let's say you go with Blake Bortles. You save a little money at the QB position, and, and you go with Bortles there. Which receiver, Allen Robinson or Allen Hearns, do you think you'd prefer to pair with him? Robinson's at 6,700, and Hearns down at 5,800. I think I would probably just go with it's Alan kind of a toss-up. It's, it's very close. Robinson's Robinson is the guy who you know is ripping off the bigger gains, but Hearns is the one who's getting into the end zone more often. You know, it, it's kind of a, it, it really is a toss-up in a, in a lot of ways. And you know, they've both been able to be productive alongside each other. So if you if you if you pick one or the other over the last five or six weeks, you really haven't been able to go wrong. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's not a, there isn't a huge price difference between six seven hundred and fifty eight hundred. So if you can afford it, I think I would go with Allen Robinson just because. Even if he doesn't get into the end zone, there's a chance he has he still can have a pretty good day, which Hearns seems a little more touchdown dependent, which is probably part of the reason That's why a he's point. a little cheaper. So I mean and and he's like he was termed questionable. Obviously there's probably not like you said, it's probably more procedural thing. They've done that every week just to make sure he's healthy for Sunday. But uh if I'm gonna choose one of the two, I think he's at, at six seven hundred isn't too expensive. He's still con- considered like a mid range guy at that price, so if I'm going to go with one of those two, I think Allen Robinson's probably a little more safe bet there, and I think he could he could go off and have a good game. And if he gets in the end zone, that's an added bonus and could bring in some actually some bigger points, especially against that uh, Ravens defense that we said was pretty was pretty bad against the pass. Right, exactly. The second worst defense against the pass this season. What about Tavon Austin? This is a guy who is maybe priced a little bit higher than than you would like at 4,800. Still a decent deal. Uh, somebody that I've been reluctantly starting in, in one of my deeper leagues. And, you know, the receiving totals haven't been impressive, but he's had some games. I mean, you look at uh, back at the beginning of October at Arizona, two receiving touchdowns. He's gotten in on the ground a couple times as well. He contributes on special teams. So kind of a guy who, even if he doesn't touch the ball a ton, you know, a smaller guy, not exactly someone they're, they're funneling the ball to a ton. You know, he gets involved in three different phases of the game. So, you know, you have the opportunity there, kind of a, certainly a high risk, high reward type of guy. Do you tend to stay away from, from players like Tavon Austin? Or are you willing to take that risk at times? Uh, sometimes it might be really be worth, worth taking the risk on that, especially if you're doing tournaments, because you want to take those guys that are cheaper that you think could have an explosion. And like, the the Bears defense is generally not great against receivers, although Tavon Austin isn't considered like exactly he, he's used as a receiver, but he's also used, like you said, in so many different facets of the game. He uh, he the, it's it's interesting that he gets to you have the chance of a punt return touchdown. You have the turn the chance of the return touchdown. You have the chance of the rushing touchdown. And then you have every once in a while he doesn't ever put up big receiving totals. He doesn't usually generally put them up. I mean he he doesn't have many catches. He has had uh, ninety. He had ninety-eight yards against the 49ers a couple weeks ago, but generally doesn't put up big receiving totals. But he's a guy that can get things done in in multiple facets of the game. So he's, if there's a guy you're going to risk, I mean, he's a decent option at about forty-eight hundred going against the Bears. I, that he's a guy that you could definitely put a. If, if you're going to go at that price range, you're looking for a guy to fill out the receiving core there. I think he's a guy that you might be able to chance. Uh, chance on this week against the the Bears there, and they're at home in St. Louis in that dome. Foles hasn't been great, but it's, it's a great it's a it's an option that I think you could go with at that price range. One guy I want to touch on before we move on quickly is Kamar Aiken, and you know maybe not the most talented guy, certainly not somebody that was in the mind of many and many fantasy players at the beginning of the season, but. This is maybe the the most shallow receiving core in the league right now in Baltimore, and, and it started that way, you know, close to that way at least at the start of the season. You had Steve Smith on pace for a thousand yard season, pretty much vintage Steve Smith. He goes down, uh, obviously done for the year now. Brashad Perriman, their first round pick, 
slow healing from kind of what sounds like somewhat of a freak injury, you know, an injury that most guys are back from in a couple of weeks or, you know, a month or two. And, you know, this has dragged on really since the start of training camp. So they've been without him and almost by default. Now, Kamar Aiken steps into a number one receiver role. He's got good size. He's six, two, 215 pounds. I mean, a, a guy who can be a vertical threat, a guy you can get it to, uh, you know, sideline to sideline as well. Do you really like Kamar Aiken just because he's going to get those default number one targets? Or do you think this could kind of just further complicate things in what's been a, a pretty sluggish offense? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Kamar Aiken just because I think the talent level isn't up to the position that he's playing now. Like as a, as a second receiver, so like a second option in that offense, he's a little better. But when you're facing, he's facing like the top cornerback for most teams every week. And obviously they're facing the Jaguars, whose defense isn't great, but they still have like some decent cornerbacks there. I know they, they signed Devon house away from the Packers. So he's one of the top guys, but they have, they have some decent cornerbacks enough that I, I don't know if I would trust him. I mean, Flacco throws the ball. It's at least a decent option at quarterback with Flacco, but I just don't know if Kamar Aiken has the skill level to match up with some of the cornerbacks he's facing. And I, and I don't trust well, that just talented Jaguar secondary that right. we've heard so much about. I think if there's any reason to like Kamar Aiken, maybe it is uh, that Jacksonville secondary, which hasn't yes. been terrible to their credit. I mean, they've, they've been bottom, bottom 15, but still an upgrade from where that defense has been over the past few years. Let's finish up with a tight end position, Chris. Uh, looking at the top of the board, Rob Gronkowski, pretty similar to what we've seen throughout the year. It's kind of Gronkowski and everyone else. He's up at 8,000 this week going up against what's been not the greatest defense for the Giants, second worst, uh, excuse me, third worst, I should say, passing defense. Greg Olson is second at 6,300. Tyler Eifert at 5,800. I like that deal quite a bit. Jason Witten, 5,100. And Jimmy Graham, at 4,900, rounding out the top five. You look below Jimmy Graham as Gary Barnage, a guy who's been you know, coming off of a down week, but been as productive as just about anybody at the position. Uh, let's say you're choosing between Barnage at 4,800 and Eifert at 5,800. Uh, do, do you take the bargain, save the 1,000, and go with Barnage, or do you think it's worth paying up for Eifert? Uh, you look at the matchup, and you would say Barnage. I mean, obviously, Barnage has been good enough every year, every week, for the most part uh, he had a down week last week against Cincinnati but uh in general he's been one of the top targets in that offense for especially with Josh McCown under center he last week uh, well that's often how it works when you have a you know a bad quarterback situation you know they they do often tend to favor the tight end you know obviously the tight ends typically aren't running those deep routes they're easier throws they tend to be open for shorter throws across the middle and that's kind of where you can rack up those yards and I think that's kind of a big reason uh, for Gary Barnage's breakout, the other reason being the Browns really don't have any receivers. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, th- that's the thing is I think if I think if uh, it seems like Josh McCown relies on him a little bit more than uh, Johnny Manziel did when he was under center. So if there's a guy that's under center of, of the two, if if if, um, if Josh McCown's under center, I'd like uh, Gary Barnage a little bit more than if than if Johnny Manziel is. So that's something I would look out for uh, if you're looking at those games because they are noon kickoffs. So you will know that beforehand, so that's good to know. And if, if um, Josh McCown is under center, I think it, it doesn't seem like it should make a big difference, but last week Manziel was the quarterback under center for them, and Barnage had one of his worst weeks of the season. And for the most part, when Josh McCown's under center, Barnage has been one of those those big targets for him. So I think that's something to you really need to take into account when you're looking at it going into the weekend. And um, generally, I mean, like you have quarterbacks and they have their favorite targets, and they're going to stick with them. A lot of teams will force them in. 
there's sometimes they'll even force him into the guy and and just I, that's the thing I would definitely keep an eye on if you're if you're considering either Barnage or Eifert at that price range. Um, obviously Barnage is a little cheaper, and if if I if McCown's under center, I may give the edge to Barnage there because I think his price maybe took a dip with with uh, his low week last week, and he's still uh, he's not necessarily trusted on a week to week basis still people don't really exactly believe in him despite his production so far this year. So it might be worth taking advantage of him, especially if, like I said, McCown's under center. All right, yeah, looking down at some of the values, we mentioned Julius Thomas. He's way down at 3,700. Uh, Baltimore allowing the second least points to to tight ends this year. So maybe that's part of the reason there, but still a guy that they really haven't been able to fully integrate. He missed part of the beginning of the season uh, with that thumb injury. Still hasn't really broken out like we expected. Delaney Walker, I like at 4,700, a guy who had two touchdowns last week. I'm sure you saw the, the one that probably shouldn't have, have resulted in a touchdown. Uh, two, two defenders converging and, and basically tipping it right to Delaney Walker and allowing him to run 30 plus yards to get that one in. But hey, it counts. Uh, anybody else that you like? kind of near the floor here of 2500 at the tight end position maybe a little bit above that uh well if we're talking i would say right mm-hmm. around that delaney walker range we're talking about i'd say 4600 at jo- for jordan reed is a is another good option there he's facing one of the the worst defenses again in new orleans and he's generally one of the top targets in that offense if he's healthy they do have deshaun jackson back now they do have some other receivers back or they have like a, at least a healthy stable of receivers now but uh generally He's a big part of that offense. He did last week. He had only three catches for 18 against New England, but he did reach the end zone. And the week before, he uh, had a huge week against Tampa Bay: 11 catches for 72 yards and two touchdowns. So, if we're looking at that range, I think Jordan Reed's a pretty good option. If I'm if I'm uh, if I'm looking in that area around there to fill out a roster, or to just in general, if you're looking for a decent tight end at a at a decent price, you're not looking to pay up huge dollars for it. I think he'd be a good guy to go with. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Good luck in all your daily contests in Week 10. Good luck in your season-long leagues, your survivor pools, if you're somehow still alive in any of those. Um, But again, we're sponsored by NoHalftime.com. If you go to NoHalftime.com, download the app, and you can enter the promo code ROTOWIRE at sign-up. You'll receive a bonus. Of course, be sure to check out ROTOWIRE.com. You can get 10 days of access to our site, get access to everything that we offer for all sports, no strings attached, no payment or anything like that required. Just go to ROTOWIRE.com slash pod.